It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy, of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on and welcome to episode number 1164 of Locked on Raptors live from Scotiabank Arena high up here in the media gondola uh, just after the Raptors took down the Philadelphia 76ers 110-102 in game four to extend the series send it back to Philadelphia for game five on Monday night thank you very much for tuning in to the show it's very much appreciated to have you here uh, and I will be doing some question answering later on in the show final segment of the show I'll get to your questions so uh, keep those for the, what I prompt you to send them over at the very end uh, but either way very very excited 
excited to be here. Very excited to break down a super fun game. We'll go through my biggest takeaways from the game. We'll talk about the injury to Fred Van Vliet as well, what that might mean or what it meant tonight and then what it might mean for game four on Monday. Well, let's talk about Scotty Barnes, who started off the day in style, winning rookie of the year. I was a little bit surprised. Honestly, I thought Evan Mobley was going to do it. It was a super close vote, one of the closest votes in modern NBA history. I think that's totally justified considering uh, just how good Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes, Kate Cunningham and the whole crew were. Uh, but we'll talk about that. Scotty Barnes, of course, played in this game as well, which is very exciting. Uh, he, you know, chipped in. He didn't have like a crazy offensive game or anything like that. It was just one of six, but his rebounding was massive. His defense was huge. And this was a game where we really saw Vision six foot nine on full display. We should begin, however, with Pascal Siakam. And I came on this podcast live after game three on Wednesday, trying to do an impassioned defense of Pascal Siakam because, yeah, he had a rough game three. He was scoreless in the second half, wasn't pretty. He didn't have the legs to blow by anybody. He did have an incredible defensive game, though. He played 48 minutes in the overtime game, and tonight he comes in, plays 44 minutes, plays the entire second half, and was just masterful. He was as good as we've seen him against the Sixers in the regular season this year. You think back to the couple wins late in the year when Pascal absolutely roasted the Philadelphia 76ers. He was that and everything you could want in this game, offensively, defensively, all over the place. We'll start with offense. I mean, this was a game where I think he kind of got back on track at least the sort of sort of thing he needs to do to break apart this Sixers defense which is he's got to hit the mid-range shots that he's being offered the Sixers are happy to let him pull up from 18 feet those little turnarounds they've been doing a great job of walling off the paint against him there's not been a ton of opportunity to get him to the line he comes out the first possession of this game knocks down a mid-range jumper in the face of Joel Embiid that's kind of exactly what you needed to see it's what we missed what he was missing that is sorry on Wednesday when he wasn't knocking those down he just didn't have the touch from that range and he's had that touch more often than not this season he had it back again tonight and looked really really excellent carving up the Sixers defense he was score first in the first half had 19 first half points uh, and he actually score first in the third quarter as well where he put up I think 11 points to go into the fourth quarter on 30 points but in the fourth quarter he really became playmaker Pascal as we've seen so often this season teams will gear up on Siakam for the final quarter of a game after he's been roasting them for 36 minutes and he will then summarily destroy them with his playmaking had a huge huge pass to OG Ananobi for a big catch and shoot three in this one that was one of the big daggers like, he was just incredible just a really really great game overall uh, 34 points eight boards five assists a steal and two blocks on 10 and 19 and got to the line 15 times which is Lovely to see. He got there uh, basically whenever he wanted. He was a hella aggressive, super assertive. You know, Nick Nurse said there was a little bit less in terms of just kind of like thinking about what to do in this one. Instead, he was just kind of doing it and going to the rim and just going to sort of make things happen in a way that he was just a little bit passive on Wednesday. You know, the, the defense that the Sixers were offering and I think just the, the toll of playing the defense that he was playing on Wednesday as well really just sort of sapped all that energy and quick fire decision making out of his game. It was very much there today. And he was awesome. And, and as much as he was great on the defensive end with the thirty, or on the offensive end with the thirty-four points, we should really shout out Pascal for the work he did defensively in this game. I, I mean, he was just everywhere. You know, he was guarding Harden, he was guarding Embiid, he was coming as a help side guy regularly to be that second point of attack, not a point of attack guy, second guy to aid the point of attack defender who was guarding Embiid. Oftentimes that was like a Thad Young, sometimes it was OG, sometimes it was Scotty Barnes, but Pascal was always there laying in wait to come across with those help side blocks. He had two of them in this game, a massive one in the fourth quarter. Just, uh, you know, as satisfying a star performance 
I can recall for a Raptors player in a postseason game. You know, the like quick rush to dismiss everything Siakam did this season where he was fantastic. And don't say that you weren't doing it. I saw it in the comments of this call of this, of this podcast on Wednesday when I was doing it. I saw it in the comments of all the podcasts I've done this week, seen it on Twitter, all this stuff. It's not just some vocal minority. There's a lot of folks who are quick to jump on, well, Pascal's bad now. I guess that's over. Like, that's just insane. You can't take one game of poor offensive finishing and then sort of dismiss all that happened this year. And really, I think the game we saw from Siakam was a real affirmation of everything we've seen from him this season when it comes to his growth. And it's a real sort of, you know, boost of confidence when you sort of think about what this team is going to look like next season. If Scotty Barnes is not quite ready to assume that 27% usage rule that everyone seems to envision for him next year as sort of the number one uh, on the team, Pascal is very much there to soak up all of that usage and be like a 1A, 1B. I, I'm so tired of the sort of number letter combination you want to assess to Pascal Siakam and where he fits in on a good team. The bottom line is, and he proved it in this game, he's an excellent basketball player. He's really freaking good, and he was so, so good tonight. He's the biggest reason the Raptors won, and his contributions were especially important because there was no Fred Van Vliet for the second half of this game. He left in the first uh, first half. You might have seen he like ripped his jersey after taking a knock on the hip. He has a left hip strain. They're going to do some imaging after the game. Nick Nurse did not really seem to have any information as to what the deal would be with him for Monday's game. You know, it's a hip thing. We've seen guys with the, uh, you know, we, we've seen guys in the past with the Raptors, you know, to take injuries, and we just kind of are unsure as to when they're going to return. And, and with the hips, with hip thing. Sorry, with the hip thing, you know, OG had a hip thing earlier this season. He was out a while. So I'm not anticipating Fred Van Vliet's available for Monday. They're going to need more of Pascal Siakam being the engine of the offense that he's been really all season long uh, in Mon on Monday if they're hoping to bring this back to Toronto for another game in Toronto next Thursday for Game 6. Um, you know, it it's interesting, though. I don't want to sit here and say that the Raptors were better without Fred Van Vliet because Fred Van Vliet does so much. He's an incredible on-ball defender. He's so important with those dig downs and the help defense he offers on the defensive end of the floor. That's all no. We know the three-point shooting is also really, really valuable from him as well. But I do think there is maybe something to be said for this specific matchup being one that the Raptors can navigate and survive without Fred Van Vliet. There are certain matchups where that wouldn't be the case, but with this Sixers team, it kind of feels like when the Raptors go with their big freak lineups where everyone's 6'6 or 6'5 or 6'9 or whatever the hell size they are, they're all enormous, it kind of feels like that's the best way to approach this Sixers team. You're switchable across everything. You're not getting any bad mismatches you're worried about. All five guys on the floor outside of Gary Trent Jr. you're pretty comfortable with just being on Embiid in isolation, and then you can bring the help over and things like that. And I thought, you know, the fact that the Raptors had guys on the floor all night long who were offering a ton of resistance at the point of attack, you know, I think that sort of the size and the on-ball defense you get from having all those guys available and Fred Van Vliet not available and you're, you just don't have that six-foot guy out there who might be a sore spot potentially, I, I do think there's something to be said about that being the defense that's best going to work against the Sixers team. They were scrambling. They were forcing turnovers all over the place. They're just so bloody long. There's a big difference when part of a double team is Fred Van Vliet and a six foot nine guy, or if it's two six foot nine guys flying at you. There's just a little bit more length, a little bit more ball pressure, a little bit more in terms of rushing what the Sixers are doing. We saw another five turnovers tonight from Joel Embiid. That's the math you want. He had three assists to five turnovers. He had six turnovers on Wednesday. Like, he's really good Embiid is and he's knocking down all sorts of ridiculous shots the shot making for him the last couple of games has been nuts but 
I do think that they're very clearly making him uncomfortable, and you stand a better chance of continuing that throughout all 48 minutes of the game if everyone on the floor is the same size, on the same page defensively. So I, I think there's maybe something there. And then on offense, I mean, we haven't seen a ton from Fred in terms of running the offense and sort of being the main point of attack guy anyway. That's largely Siakam's duty. That's been his job for most of the season. And Fred's not been shooting the three well since the All-Star break. And in this sort of depressed version of himself where the knee is clearly not right, now you've got the hip thing. Maybe it's something of a blessing to not have a guy out there who is only going to shoot 30% on the threes he's going to get. He's going to get them because he's Fred Van Vliet and he's great moving around off the ball. Again, this is not me saying that the Raptors are better without Fred Van Vliet because that would be as stupid as saying they're better without Pascal Siakam. But in this matchup, the Sixers have historically given him trouble with the length and all of that. He's not been terribly efficient as a guy staying in front of Tyrese Maxey, for example, on defense. I think maybe, maybe the Raptors can survive this one without Fred Van Vliet. Other matchups, you know, it would be a little bit of a different story. But this specific matchup, I think you could argue that it's maybe not a crippling blow the way it would be if they lost Pascal Siakam or even the way it was when they lost Gary Trent Jr., who's just been a flamethrower in this series and is just so, so essential to finishing off plays for the Raptors in a way that Fred just hasn't been able to be because he hasn't been physically peaked, you know, at his physical peak since the All-Star break. Um uh, again, just a heads up, we are going to continue on here for another probably 20, 25 minutes or so. Final segment of the show, I'm going to dig into some questions. On the other side of this break, I'm going to talk about Thaddeus Young, going to talk about Scotty Barnes and his return. We'll talk about him winning Rookie of the Year as well. Uh, we'll get to all of that in just a second. Can continue to sum up the Raptors extending the series and uh, going back to Philly on Monday with their 110-102 win tonight. Uh, before we do that, though, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best-tasting protein bars in the world. You got to check them out. I've been telling you about them on this podcast for a very, very long time. If you're a new listener, no popping to the live show, uh, let me tell you about Built Bar. They're fantastic. They're the best tasting protein bars you can find. They're good for you and they taste great. Uh, the average Built Bar has 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. It's going to help you power through a day. It's a great meal replacement. If that's something you're into in the morning, you don't want a heavy breakfast, a Built Bar is a great replacement for that. It's about half of the calories you're going to get in a standard candy bar. It's about an eighth of the sugar as well. It's no Get yourself some Built Bars. they got flavors for everybody. They have nut and nut-free flavors for those who have allergies. And if you're keto, if any really dietary uh, thing you might be, you can get yourself a Built Bar that will be the flavor for you. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want or need or you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill because companies make it very, very difficult to cancel subscriptions. I do it all the time. I sign up for something for one use, think, oh, free 30-day trial, I'll worry about that. That's a problem for future Sean to cancel that. And then future Sean is uh, shocked in a month's time when he's being charged $35 for something that he signed up for that he doesn't want anymore and then he is sad. But Truebill is here to cancel those unwanted subscriptions. And you have a Truebill concierge at your beck and call to help cancel unwanted subscriptions for you so you don't have to. That is pretty awesome. Also, if you just want to do it in the app, you can link your account in the Truebill app and then you just cancel the ones that you don't want whenever. It's all just in one easy to use list. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill, T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you a whole a lot of scratch. All right, we'll continue on here. 
thank you for those tuning in on the live stream out there. Uh, very lovely to see you, and I'm very happy we get to talk about a win, which I did not know was going to be the case coming into this one. I felt pretty good. You know, the vibes coming into this one were pretty awesome because of Scotty Barnes both returning and also winning Rookie of the Year. It kind of felt like, you know, this is a no-lose situation. At the very least, the Raptors fans get to give Scotty Barnes the adulation he deserves for winning Rookie of the Year before the game in what is potentially the final home game of the season. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, very, very good, awesome things took place on the floor for the Raptors in this one and uh, we know we talked about Pascal Siakam off the top incredible stuff from him but let's talk about Thaddeus Young who is more or less everything that I want in my basketball players he is kind of slow and plodding maybe not so athletic anymore but just so damn smart positionally just unbelievably sound and was just an absolute breath of fresh air for the Raptors in this one, especially on offense, I thought. He was really, really valuable offensively. But we'll get to what he did defensively, too, because, I mean, he was outstanding. Oftentimes was the main guy guarding Embiid. We'll get to that. But offensively, especially when Fred Van Vliet was down, you know, there was always just this need for a little bit of extra juice, a little bit of extra greasing of the wheels for the Raptors' half-court offense with no Fred. Obviously, there's just a little bit less spacing, a little bit less ball handling, and there were moments in this game where it kind of looked like it might follow the script of Game one, game 3 on Wednesday, where it's a great start for the Raptors. They maybe aren't ahead by as much as you want. The offense dries up in the second half, and you're at the mercy of James Harden and Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and their shot-making. Didn't quite follow that script in this one, uh, and we'll get to why defensively. But offensively, I, I think Thad was just so, so valuable in terms of greasing the wheels. They were running him like Marc Gasol at times in this one, just kind of at the elbows, looking for passes. Chris Boucher got hit by two different bounce passes by Thad, uh, cutting for dunks. He just was so connective, and I've said this all along. Thad Young is the kind of guy who is better playing with good players than he is when he's playing with bad players. I've compared him all season to DeAndre Bembry of last year, obviously in a very different context, but last year Bembry had his best moments when he was playing with the best Raptors players, when he was like the fifth guy in there with Siakam and Fred and, and OG and all those guys. And in this, and Thad Young kind of follows the same thing. When he's sort of stuck with a bunch of lesser players. He's just not really amplifying anything. He's kind of asked to do too much as a playmaker and all of that. Playing with Siakam, playing off of Scotty Barnes, playing off of Trent, there's just a lot of space for him to work where he can just kind of make those reads for you. And obviously his offensive rebounding is incredibly important as well, specifically within the context of this Raptors team because offensive rebounding is so important to them and finishing up those possessions when they miss because they do miss quite a bit. He had four offensive rebounds in this game, 13 points, five boards, five assists, three steals, a block, six of nine from the field. I thought when he was on the floor, the steals were huge for getting the transition game going. The Raptors won the transition battle tonight 21-10, to which is massive considering the Sixers started this series absolutely wiping the floor with the Raptors on the run. That seems to have been cleared up a little bit in a sort of getting back to what we expected it might be at the start of the series, and it was huge in this one. You know, again, the offense got a little bit sticky in the half court in the second half just because, of course it does. There's no Fred Van Vliet. You're playing with a bunch of guys who are speculative shooters at best, and that was just so great for greasing both the half court and the transition game as well. And then on defense, man, I mean, he was just so airtight. James Harden had, had him on him a couple times in ISO, couldn't do anything with him. James Harden can't do anything with anybody right now, and it's, like, kind of sad to watch. Harden was 5 of 17 tonight, 
you know, Thad was in his face. Scotty Barnes was in his face. Pascal OG was in his face. Like, just a brutal, brutal night from, from James Harden. And, like, some pretty embarrassing grift stuff going on there as well. Same for Embiid. Lots of grift going on in this one. It's just kind of part of the part and parcel with this series and this team, I suppose. It's a bummer. The Sixers become bad to watch, even though they have great players. It's kind of annoying. But either way, Thad on Embiid was so, so sturdy and strong. He talked in the post game about really just kind of making sure he was picking up Embiid as far away from the bucket as possible just to prevent him from getting those easy seal outs. And credit to the Raptors, it's really easy for Joel Embiid to get deep post position against this team. He's massive. The Raptors are much smaller. You can just fire entry passes in up high and he's going to catch them. And there were a couple times tonight where he did get under the basket for easy buckets here and there, but it was really only a couple times. And Thad was so bloody good just getting into him far away from the bucket, forcing passes out, waiting for the double to come and I thought the most important thing he did both for Harden and Embiid is he offered resistance so the Raptors could send the help when it was opportune to do it as opposed to when it just was a necessity because he had been beaten by his guy he just offered that resistance got deep enough position and was there and just kind of waited and then you get to the point where all right we're deep in the possession the, the clock's running down now Pascal's flying over for the help now the double team is coming and you're forcing MB to throw it away or turn it over or whatever it might be put up a bad shot I think that sort of point of attack defense from him from Thad Young on both Harden and MB which like how many players in the world can guard both of those guys capably. The Raptors have shown they have at least two of those guys in uh, Precious Achua and uh, Thad Young so far in this series. Like, that is something pretty special to have on hand. Again, you don't want those guys guarding Embiid close to the basket on post-ups all the time, but again, I think Thad just did a wonderful job of picking him up early, getting him high up the floor, away from the rim, and then forcing the Sixers to kind of meander and force, you know, pass and sort of cut, reposition, repost in order to get deeper position. By that, at that time, the, you know, the clock's winding down. You know, the Raptors have really found their defensive groove here, it seems like, in the last couple of games that was missing in those first two. Probably not surprising that it's come in line with getting healthier and having more than five available players, but uh, Thad Young, man, just an incredible, incredible game. I would like to see Thad Young on this Raptors team for the rest of time. I I just bring him back. He's just so fun. He's a perfect, connective basketball player, and he just kicked ass in this game. Um... We should also probably talk about Scotty Barnes, who in this game, uh, you know, wasn't terribly huge on the offensive end. He just had six points. He was one of six. Got to the line five times, which was nice to see. But the rebounding was just a huge, huge asset for the Raptors in this game. Eleven defensive rebounds, just tidying up that end of the floor. The Sixers in this game only managed six offensive rebounds. Again, that was a place where they were really kind of hitting the Raptors early in the series, winning the possession game the way the Raptors have been beating other teams all season long. They've kind of gotten away from that stuff that was really working for them to throw the Raptors off their game, turning their strengths against them. Uh, Lots of great pieces were written about that early in the series. Joe Wolfon from The Score, former future guest of this podcast, wrote a great piece on it. Dan Devine at The Ringer wrote a great piece on it, too. That's kind of dissipated here, and I think Scotty Barnes being back, you know, that just helps matters in all sorts of ways. He didn't get on the offensive glass in this game, but that's all right. Thad Young was there to do all of that. They had 13 offensive rebounds anyway. The defensive rebounding, just tidying up those possessions among the trees, right? Like, you're up against Joel. Embiid in a lot of these rebounding situations you're being boxed out by Joel Embiid whatever it might be like he did such a great job just to tidy up those possessions and ensure that they weren't giving them away because the Raptors did give points away 
in this game, particularly in the first half in transition and semi-transition. They were just booting it all over the place. It was pretty sloppy, and it's a nice thing that they weren't also giving up points with offensive rebounds because, again, the possession battle in this series is so important. It's so critical. The Raptors just need to game that those numbers, like especially considering they don't have a ton of three-point shooting on hand. They were 8 of 34 tonight from deep, but because they were able to win the possession game that way, uh, and, and with Scotty being a big help in the defensive rebounding department, like it, it just was... Uh, uh, a really impressive, impressive return for a guy who I didn't think we were going to see again in this series when he went down a week ago. Hopefully he can get a little bit more comfortable, get back into the groove on offense and be a little bit more of a key component of the offense once uh, they get back to Philly on Monday. He only played 26 minutes in this game, which is like 12 lower than what he typically is playing in these big games. Um, so, you know, certainly a little bit more to be drawn from Scotty if he's available and up to it. You know, it looked like he might actually leave this game in the first half. He took a bit of a bump at the start of the second quarter, uh, stepped on Paul Reed's foot, but came back in before. He didn't even take a seat. He just came back in after the timeout, which was great to see. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, you know, a little bit more there from Scotty Barnes offensively. And they'll probably need it, honestly, in game five back in Philly. If they're going to make this a series, they've got to continue to really hit the mismatch game, right? Like, they did a good job of that in this game, finding Tyrese Maxey, finding Danny Green, who doesn't look very good defensively in this one, finding anyone they can take a, a matchup to. And, you know, George Niang's a big one there. Niang fouled out in this game, and it was kind of a bummer to see him go. Uh, but, you know, that's what this Raptors team's got to do, especially with no Fred Van Vliet. There's not going to be a whole lot of looking for Fred off ball and sort of anything intricate, really. It's probably going to be a lot of just give it to the guys and have them go try to score mismatches you know this was not an assist heavy game for the Raptors just 19 assists on 37 field goals uh you know I think we're probably going to see a pretty similar recipe if the Raptors are going to continue this and Scotty Barnes on, in isos is going to be a big one I think going forward here if he has the you know the the juice for it you know physically which you know he might not he's just he had his ankle stepped on by a 300 pound man a week ago I'm just happy to see he's back and available um and we should also probably just give him a huge shout out for winning rookie of the year baby um you know we'll talk more about this on Monday Monday's podcast, I'm sure, but you know, just a, a wonderful accomplishment for Scotty Barnes, and everyone seems super happy. They did it right. They got Vince Carter delivering the news in practice yesterday, which is really cool. Um, you know, just uh, look. The conversation about Rookie of the Year got super toxic and was something I didn't really want to take part in by the end of the year. I think it was kind of silly. And ultimately, I do think we'll look at this Rookie of the Year race and all the sort of consternation about who's going to win, who wasn't, did Mobley get robbed, whatever. I think it's going to look real stupid seven, eight years from now when we look back and, you know, oh, we cared about the Rookie of the Year when Cade and Scotty and Evan Mobley and the Cavs, Raptors, and Pistons are owning the Eastern Conference, presumably. Like, that's going to seem pretty dumb. This rookie class was amazing. There were no wrong answers, but it's certainly awesome to see Scotty recognized. And, uh, you know, it, it speaks to the incredible work he did down the stretch of the season where he just completely... You know, he was probably the second best Raptor down the stretch. Like, Fred being out the way he was, Siakam obviously was in that number one spot, but with OG being injured too, Gary Trent Jr. kind of going through slumps, like, Scotty Barnes was fantastic for the Raptors down the stretch. It was like him and Precious Achua really as sort of the next guys behind Siakam, who you could trust night in, night out. Uh, you know, totally deserved. Again, it would have been deserved if Mobley won it as well. I thought it was very silly that it was kind of like a black or white conversation all season, it seemed. Everyone in the rookie class who was up for this award had a case to make. And so awesome stuff that Scotty is now going to be memorialized as the rookie of the year in one of the best rookie classes we've seen in quite some time. Um, 
We're going to continue on here. I'm going to take some questions on the other side of the break. So fire up your questions in the chat. I will get to them in the uh, final part of the show. And uh, we'll round this thing out with some thoughts going in to game number five on Monday. But before we do that, I do want to tell you about Shady Ray's sunglasses, which you got to check out. I'm a person who loses sunglasses all the time. I'm a, I'm a mess. Like, it's ridiculous. I've one time bought a new pair of sunglasses and the same day walked into a lake with them on and lost them immediately because I'm a moron. But also, they're easy to lose. Sunglasses are just, you would misplace them all the time. It's just the way it is. And Shady Rays understands this and knows that you don't want to spend that much money on sunglasses because that can happen. And also, they know that you lose, lose them a lot. So wouldn't it be nice if you had some guarantee that you could get them replaced? Well, all of that is true with Shady Rays. You get the look and feel of $200 sunglasses, but they're way, way less in terms of price, a fraction of the price, really, maybe like a third of the price for the typical pair. And you uh, also have a wonderful protection guarantee. Every time you lose a pair of your sunglasses, you can just fire up the email to Shady Rays, say, hey, lost my glasses, and they will, for a small processing feed, send you a replacement pair of your sunglasses. That is the perfect world to live in. Highly recommend. Again, I'm not a person who even wears a lot of sunglasses. I have glasses on all the time, so I kind of just like get my retinas burned in the summer. But when I do buy them, uh, I don't want to spend a ton of money, and I don't have to do that with Shady Rays. And again, you're going to get that uh, protection guarantee as well. Also, right now, you can get 50% off their already cheap sunglasses when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Just go to ShadyRays.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses. It's almost summertime. Go get your sunglasses uh, ready to go and uh, fire it up over at ShadyRays.com, backed by over 150,000 five-star reviews. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right. Let's get to it again. Looking for some questions in the chat. Uh, so if you have any, fire away and I'll answer them as we go here. Uh, first one I will get to here, though, it's just sitting right there in the chat, is uh, who wins game five? Look, I... History is against the Raptors here, right? Like, it just is. It's just the way it is. No one has ever come back from down 3-0. You're going back to Philly. That's a raucous building. I think all odds are the Raptors probably drop this game on Monday. That's fine if that happens, right? Like, I think what's happened the last couple of games here, the really, you know, tight and crunch timey and uh, agonizing game on Wednesday... That's the type of stuff that you have to go through. I wrote about this yesterday for RaptorsHQ.com if you want to go read that. I wrote about this and, you know, it, it just, this is what the Raptors are here for, is to get smacked around, is to go through some lumps, to, to experience some growing pains and all that stuff. 
Um, you know, it might just be that the, the, the ride comes to an end on Monday, but I think what happened Wednesday and today really kind of justify everything that happened this year. They confirm a lot of things. They are just a nice way to sort of close the season out. If it does end in five, you know that, all right, well, at least they didn't just get rolled over. They didn't have a whole series where they were unhealthy. We didn't get to see the actual version of the team. And I think there's been some pretty great confirmation that this defense in particular, we'll see about the offense as it, as it you know progresses as we go forward here. But the way the Raptors play defense can absolutely work in the postseason and might be kind of like a marauding type of thing they can throw out there to really mess teams up in the playoffs right like that that I'm pretty confident in we got some answers I think from this playoff series which is all you can ask for that said on Monday there's a very real chance the Raptors win this game. They've got the Sixers feeling uncomfortable. They've got Embiid feeling uncomfortable. Even though Embiid's hitting all these crazy-ass shots, they've got him feeling it every single time he touches the ball. He's not getting easy looks, and a lot of his makes have been very difficult in nature. He might keep on making them. He's that good, but he's also got a thumb injury, and he's dealing with that, and, you know, he's been made uncomfortable by the Raptors 11 turnovers in the last two games here they seem to have found the recipe for making this Sixers team feel uncomfortable it's a different thing in Philly of course but that said there's no more fragile crowd in the NBA as well and if you can get out to a good start in that game Monday why not have the 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 sort of the tide shift and maybe they start getting booed by that very fickle Philly crowd um you know I I think yeah it's uh it's, it's totally possible I would say it's more likely than not the Raptors lose but even if that's the case I think you can go into the offseason with your head held high based on the two games we've seen here. Um, and, you know, Doc Rivers, 3-1 leads, those are certainly a thing. And uh, it's it's not going to get any less funny if this continues on and the Raptors win and bring it back to Philly for Game 6. Like, they're going in fully Hakuna Matata, right? Like, they know that the history is against them here. It's all on the Sixers. And I would feel like Doc Rivers probably is at least a little has I'm sure he's thought about the idea that he could be the first coach to lose a 3-0 lead after being the only guy to lose multiple 3-1 leads we shall see a um, couple more questions here came in the chat uh Crip asked did we jump on Pascal too early yes that's my going I think everyone jumps on Pascal too early all the time I certainly did not jump on Pascal because I am a level-headed person uh but hey uh you know bygones be bygones as long as the, this game kind of reaffirms that oh yeah all that we saw this year from Siakam was in fact real in your mind that I think it's all good. You can kind of leave it behind. Um, next question here comes from Crip as well. Was the Thad trade a win? I've said it was a win all along. I think the sort of intangible value he's brought, the way guys like Precious Achua have talked about just being around him and what that's meant to them, I think that is a huge, huge value. And they only ended up dropping from the 20th pick to the 33rd pick. Totally fine by me. I think even if you bring back Thad in the offseason, like that, I mean, even if you don't bring him back, I'm fine with dropping from 20 to 33. The draft is kind of a crapshoot anyway when you get to that part of the draft. So whatever, you probably get someone who's just as good as a guy going to 20 around 33 anyway. Um, but if they can bring him back, which Masai Ujiri's talked about his bird rights all the time, if they can bring him back, that is, uh, I think, a huge coup. And he fits this Raptors team. He is such a Toronto Raptors-ass player that uh, I think, you know, winner, bring him back or not, they've won it. But there's a very real chance that they are, like, laughing at this trade if they do bring him back with his bird rights. Um this one here comes from Dog 8 Which Pascal do we see Monday? Aggressive Pascal, passive Pascal? I mean, you hope it's aggressive. I would assume it'll be aggressive because, you know, I don't even know if he was that passive in the game against the Sixers on Wednesday. Certainly in the second half, he was more passive than you'd like. But also you have to credit what the defense is doing. And Tobias Harris... He's, he's taken a lot of shots from me on this podcast before. I think rightfully so. I think a lot of Raptors fans are pretty dubious about him. But 
and I think Sixers fans don't like him very much either, but he's been awesome in this series, and he deserves a ton of credit for the work he's doing on Siakam. He's clearly scouted Siakam quite well. He knows the spin moves. He's seen it so many times now. Like, he's been a fantastic defensive foil for Siakam in this series. Siakam was just a better player tonight and hits shots that were, uh, you know, the, the ones that they're giving to him. He also got to the line a ton, which was a huge help as well. Um, but, you know, it, it's not all aggressive or not aggressive, right? Like, you have to factor in the context of what the defense is doing. And I do think it will probably be a little bit trickier for Siakam to gain space in the game on Monday if there's no Fred Van Vliet and the Sixers have had two days to scout and prepare a game plan for a team that has no Fred Van Vliet. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I, you know, I would like to see him back, uh, you know, that Fred back, of course, and that makes everyone's life easier in, in some ways. But, um, you know, I, I would assume we'll see aggressive Pascal. He was, he's been excellent he still is the engine that drives the offense and if there's no Fred like there's no real choice like he has to be the guy who's plunging himself into the teeth of the defense and making things happen from there he really is their best source uh this one comes from Richard Wallens if it's tied after a 2-2 or if it was tied at 2-2 who would you have winning the series that's a really good question I I think the Raptors have found themselves you know really kind of finding the recipe here for beating the Sixers the last couple of games. It's a shame they lost the game on Wednesday. Like, this whole dynamic is very, very different, of course, if uh, if they win that game. Um, you know, Joel Embiid is going to hit shots, I suppose. It's just the way it is. But, yeah, I, I think if it's 2-2, it's probably a coin flip. I had Sixers in seven to begin the series anyway, so I still probably would have sided with the Sixers if it were 2-2. The home court advantage, like, I very much believe in that Philly crowd. And I, I also kind of believe in the front-runnery type nature of the Sixers, where if the crowd is nuts and they're into it like the Sixers kind of go along with it they're kind of like a good version of Bradley Beal and his Wizards teams that do the same thing but when they cut 11 point leads to seven point leads uh like it's you know I I think there's um it's probably the Raptors will be losing it anyway, right? But again, I think to follow up the question that Richard asks, or the, to answer the follow-up question from Richard, uh, it, would it be a successful, or what What do you consider a successful series pushing it to six? I think you can already kind of consider it successful based on the two games we've seen here in Toronto. You know, a really, you know, knockdown, drag it out game on Wednesday where there was a lot of learning to be done for the Raptors. And then on Saturday, you get that win. Like, it, you know, it, for me... I'm pretty content. I know I sort of skew more optimistic than a lot of folks and a lot less sort of doom and gloom than most people. But I think the fact that, you know, you, we've seen some really interesting flashes of what next year is going to look like. We've seen Precious Achua do some incredible things. And I haven't even talked about Precious Achua yet. He had two buckets tonight. One was like a soaring lay-in through Joel Embiid. The other was a lefty in-and-out dribble around Danny Green for a finish. Like, that stuff is insane. And the fact that he's doing that, and also being an otherworldly defensive player. I mean, Precious is something else. And I think if anything has gotten me like super juiced for next season from this series, you know, I kind of already was excited for the Scotty Barnes, you know, development and all that stuff. Like what we've seen from Precious, I'll make this point again. I've said it before on this podcast this very week, but if you're tuning in for the first time, you know, then you're hearing it for the first time. But like Precious is the guy that unlocks Vision six foot nine as being a viable path forward for this team because you need guys who have the ability to play center and the position and the you know have the skills and the ability to just like do the things centers do. But if you can also do that while being six foot nine and hitting threes and being a guy who can defend literally anybody in the world, that's a pretty terrifying concoction. And for me, like 
he should be the starting center next season. I think, you know, for me, you move Gary Trent Jr. to become the sixth man he's always been destined to be. You roll with a starting five of Fred, OG, Barnes, Siakam, and Achua, and good luck scoring on that. You know, there's going to be some spacing issues and stuff like that, sure. But, um, you know, that's to me sort of the vision. And, you know, getting that vision, getting the sort of glimpses of what the next year's version of this team can look like, I really, really think that, uh, you know, this can be deemed a successful series already. Um, we'll get to one or two more questions here. This one comes from Matt T. Can Trent and OG handle more scoring load if Fred cannot play in Game 5? Um, OG better. Uh, you know, OG was the golden boy after the game on Wednesday, and he kind of got bailed out by everybody else in this one. Just 3 of 13, 1 of 7 from 3. I don't think the Raptors will survive another game, especially with no Fred, if OG Ananobi is going 1 of 7 from 3. It's just not going to happen. He's got to knock those shots down. He had some great flourishes, of course. His defense in this game was nuts, especially on Harden. You know, he's everywhere. The Raptors' defense in this game was just a joy to watch, I thought. It was really, really beautiful the way they were kind of on a string and doing their thing and helping at the back end and turning it into offense. It was really peak Raptors basketball in that end, but... OG struggled offensively. You know, he bailed it out with that great and one over Embiid uh, late in the game. That was great, uh, but he's got to be more efficient on those catch and shoots. And look, he's been all of he's been that throughout the series, of course, through games one through three. Uh, I, I don't really think there's any reason to expect he can't get back there. It just seemed like an off night, but you know, without Fred, his shooting becomes so so important because Fred is like 12 three point attempts a game these days. You're just taking out of the equation. A lot of that's going to be funneled towards him, uh, Ananobi, and of course Gary Trent Jr. can take it on as well. I mean, Gary Trent Jr., you know, he's still a little bit inefficient. He'll have some crooked shooting lines and stuff like that, but he just adds a dynamic of, like, juice and pep to the offense and finishing and bailing them out late in the clock that they just desperately need because of the way their offense is oriented and because he can get sticky sometimes. Having a guy like that, like I really do liken him to sort of peak Serge Ibaka where you just got to have a guy on the floor sometimes who's just fine shooting it and Gary Trent Jr. has been that, and I think he was really, really good tonight. 24 points, 3 of 10 from downtown, and 8 of 20 overall is not going to change your life or anything like that, but he was out on the run. He was you know, poking steals, grabbing steals, and getting the, the, the fast break going and stuff like that. Uh, really enjoyed Gary Trent Jr. tonight, and yeah, he's going to have to carry a pretty immense load if there's no Fred Van Vliet. And, you know, he's also a little bit protected defensively when he's playing with all these damn trees out there, right? Like, he's the fifth guy to worry about. He can go hide on a Danny Green or something like that, and you're fine with it. When you have him and Fred, you know, both of those guys in the backcourt were both kind of getting cooked this uh, earlier in the series with Maxi in, in particular kind of hitting both of them pretty hard. Uh, you know, with him being the number five guy out there, you have Siakam and OG have really been taking the Maxi, uh, you know, responsibilities the last couple of games and doing quite well with it. Kind of similar to, you know, back in the 2018 playoffs when they were the guys for uh, Bradley Beal and John Wall. Like, if, if you can not have Gary Trent Jr. stuck on, uh, either Harden or Maxi, and just stick him in the corner, I think you're fine, and that opens up everything you're doing with him offensively. And, you know, he's going to have to carry a pretty big load. As I would say, you know, in addition to OG and uh, and, and Gary Trent Jr., like I think Scotty Barnes will have to have a bit of a more uh, increased offensive burden. You know, you got to ease him back in, of course, and you know, we don't know exactly what he's fully capable of handling at this point with the ankle, but uh, he's going to have to really chip in offensively, I think. And Precious, too. Like, this is just the way it is. They got some high-end scoring from the top of the roster tonight in Pascal and Gary Trent Jr. I would assume the game plan will be a little bit more geared towards Pascal. I would imagine it's going to be a pretty heavy playmaking game on Monday for Pascal. They're going to have to have guys knocking down shots. 8 of 34 from 3 is just not going to do it. Um, let's go to uh, last uh, question here. 
this uh, is there another question? There, I don't think there is any more questions. If you have any questions, I'll give you two seconds to get one in. Just closing thoughts on the game. Again, pa- Pascal, I mean, just uh, all the flowers to him. Incredible stuff. Uh, really just uh, a, a satisfying-ass game to see. For me, someone who's been a, a staunch Siakam defender for years now, uh, you know, and I feel like anyone who's kind of been on the side of Siakam that says, this guy's good, what are you talking about? This was just such a great affirmation of everything that he has done this season, and that, I think, is really the thing I'm going to take away from this one. Like, he's got this one in his cap. He's hopefully erased the memories of Game 3. He was totally fine in Games 1 and 2. Like, it's not like he's been bad all series. He had one stinker people have stinkers. Carl Anthony Towns has three stinkers out of four games. Kevin Durant has stinkers. It happens. It's all good. Uh, But with that, we are going to wrap things up there. And uh, thank you so much for tuning into the live show. Really appreciate it. Hope the audio and video and stuff was all good. It seems like the Wi-Fi on the internet is doing all right. Um, But uh, yeah, thank you as always for supporting the show, making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back again on Monday morning. We will talk about, oh wait, this is a good question from Matt T. Was this Pascal's best playoff game? No, game one of the finals in 2019 was Pascal's best playoff game. I'm going to go down with it. It was his highest scoring game, 34 points. And I guess maybe you could argue he was a little bit more uh, integral to everything that was going on for the Raptors so there's certainly an argument to be had there this was his best playoff game but I'm still going to go game one of the finals considering the stakes and everything like that uh, as his best one but either way uh, yeah just uh, I've lost my track we're going to wrap it there thank you very much for tuning in I went way longer than I thought I was going to but that's fine Uh, I'll be back again I said on Monday with Vivek Jacob we're going to do a little preview of game five we'll also talk about Scotty Barnes winning rookie of the year a little bit more at length and hopefully uh, we'll have more game recap podcasts and game preview podcasts for you all throughout next week as well Uh, if you have not yet there's some fun shows from this week you can go check out yesterday's episode was a really fun one with Rohan Nadkarni from SI.com we talked about some sort of big picture Raptors questions going into game four, but more so just about the team as a whole, the sort of vision and everything like that. Lots of Scotty Barnes talk. And then we also talked a little bit about Kyle Lowry and his Miami Heat. And uh, hopefully he's okay. He got hurt last night, which is a bummer. Either way, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. And until then, uh, enjoy your weekends. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.